Yeah. Hey, you guys. Guy Jeans here with the Kern River Fly Shop Podcast. want to thank our sponsors, Reddington Fly Rods, Rio's Lines, Leaders, and Tippets, and Sims Fishing Products. Also, Costa Sunglasses. Got a cool show for you tonight. I got Alex Ramirez, who is the Sage, Reddington, and Rio rep. He also reps a, a few other products as well. And he is here, and I'm going to get him on the phone here in a second. But I want to talk to him about all the different uh, things going on in the fly fishing world, especially in our, in our area, the western uh, United States, and uh, talk to him about the state of the fly fishing industry and also talk to him how he became a, a fly fishing rep and uh, what it takes to be a fly fishing rep and that sort of thing. So let me see if I can get him on the phone and uh, we'll go from there. Alex. Hey, guy. How's it going? Doing great, man. How you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm so glad that we're uh, able to finally get this uh, podcast going, man. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, man. It's, uh, it's a privilege and honor. Yeah, thank you for having me. I think um, the last time uh, that uh, we were on a podcast was your podcast, which is Beer, Fly Fishing, Food. Yes. Yeah, we had you on. I, shoot, I think that could have been one of our second to the last ones we've done. We've taken a long break but uh we actually have one set to record next week we're getting back into it Sweet. so just kind of life and busy and all that stuff but yeah i'm looking forward to getting back onto it it's uh i've got a lot of good feedback and oh. yeah i appreciate having guests like you on i mean people just i think yours is one of the most uh, listened to so far oh, awesome awesome a little shout out to dave too your partner yeah yeah <laughs> dave man he'll yeah i can't wait to get him back on That'd it was good. it was cool man uh you know uh talking with you guys, you know, because we talked about uh, music and ska and all that stuff, and Dave was into that stuff, and and so was I. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. Actually, I just listened to that maybe about a couple of weeks ago, just to kind of get the juices flowing again. So that was the podcast <laughs> I listened to. It was one with with you? Yeah, it was a good one. Really good. Right on. So you are the uh, Farbanks rep, which is Sage, Rio, Reddington, and what other brands do you represent? I represent about 11 different brands. I have Outcast Float Tubes. I got Fish Pond, Tibor Fly Reels, Rep Your Water. I was just hired by Grundens. Oh, yeah. Which I'm really excited about. And uh, another new company that's coming out with these high-end travel cases for guns as well as fly fishing for travel. And they're lockable cases that you can take. They're GSA-approved. But yeah, I just got hired by that company and uh, High and Dry, it's a floating company. So fairly busy. Wow. <laughs> so 11 different companies that you represent. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, it can get, get pretty crazy, but, uh, but yeah. it's fun. I enjoy it. Well, so, I, want, I want to definitely talk about that uh, for sure, you know, about your, your sales repping job and, and what that takes and stuff. But um, what I'd like to do is kind of introduce everybody to you and like, you know, where you're from. Um, and how you got into fly fishing and then ultimately how you, um, ended up being a, a fly fishing rep. And I think I, I met you when you were working down at the SoCal fly fishing in San Diego, the fly shop down there that Peter, Peter Picconi owned. But anyway, let's, let's get started with you and, and how you got into fishing and 
fly fishing and all that kind of stuff and then kind of take it up to becoming a, a fly fishing rep. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So I started fly fishing when I was 10 years old. Um, we, I had grown up fishing. My parents would take an annual trip to the Sierras outside of Fresno ever since I was two years old. And, you know, just as soon as I could hold a rod, I was fishing. And then I would say about 10 years old, there was a fly fisherman that was fishing an evening hatch and we watched him just kind of rope fish in and this guy is awesome. So we went over and we talked to this guy and uh, showing me these little PMDs that he was tying up at the time. I had no clue. It was a white fly in my mind, Yeah. but uh, he went back to his camp and he pulled out his vice and he tied us a couple flies and just like blown away. I'm like, man, this guy is super cool. And uh, that off season, a buddy of mine uh, who I fished with constantly growing up, one of my best friends, he, he bought a fly rod and we started to practice in his driveway. And then I got one and it was something that we would just kind of do off and on. Um, you know, we, we would only do it at night cause we are in the evening or early morning when there was a, you know, hatch cause we really didn't know what we were doing. Nymphine streamers, nothing. It was just throw a dry fly on and, you know, hopefully something will come up and rise for it. Yeah. But, um, just that's kind of how it started. And then I would say when I got into high school, I was really fishing a lot. I mean, I'd wake up in the mornings and we had a local pond. I'd fish every morning. And, uh, I remember, you know, actually eighth grade going into high school, I, I wanted to be a professional fly fisherman, but just didn't know what that looked like and how to achieve it. And then, you know, realized like, well, it's probably not going to do me any good or make me any money. So I should probably, you know, pursue something different. So I went to college and did, did this whole college thing, had a regular nine to five job. And then, um, I would say probably about 2008, uh, I actually owned my own landscape company with my dad and, things were kind of going south. So I sold the company and kind of sitting there one morning trying to figure out, man, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do going forward? I have two young kids. I have no idea how I'm going to support anybody. And, uh, I woke up early in the morning, woke my wife up and said, Hey, I'm going to go fly fishing. And she looked at me, she's like, what? Like I hadn't been fly fishing in a while, you know, just kind of put everything on the back burner, raising a family. Yeah. And I left, head up to Sierra's and uh, spent the whole day. And then I remember coming back, my wife's like, man, I didn't know if you'd ever come back. And I was like, <laughs> I just got lost out there. I mean, just a lot of soul searching. And uh, I told her, I said, hey, you know, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how it's going to support the family, but I'm going to go back into fly fishing. I'm, this is what I want to do. This is a passion of mine. And I'm just, I don't know, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I just need to do it for myself. So she was fully supportive. And I actually uh, applied for a job at Bass Pro in Manteca. And actually, it was probably one of the hardest jobs to get a job for, which I thought would be fairly easy. But they had a test that I had to take and make sure I knew what I was talking about, knew what I was doing. But I ended up getting hired, and that's kind of where the ball started to roll. It was about 2010. And uh, worked there for a little bit, started to do some local guiding and uh, my wife wanted to move to San Diego. <laughs> she she goes, I don't know if you could fly fish in San Diego. And I go, honey, any, anywhere there's water and fish, you can fly fish or anything. So I um, sent some emails out, not knowing what it was going to look like or where I was going to work. And I gave my resume and uh, Jeff Solis reached out to me and said, hey, why don't you call Peter Picone? I heard he's looking for somebody. So I called him up and uh, 
had a couple interviews on the phone and he said, if you can be here in two weeks, you got a job. Nice. We, I told my wife, I said, we're moving. So we packed up all our stuff and our kids and drove down to San Diego just for this job. And then it just kind of snowballs from there. Yeah. And, and what a cool boss Peter was, huh? Yeah. He was a super cool cat. I really learned a lot from him. I mean, he, he really took the time and letting you evolve on your own. Like he would just give me like tidbits of information. Like he wouldn't, you know, give me the keys to the kingdom yet, but yeah. he would just open it up and be like, you know, Hey, this is, you know, like when I was fishing down in the surf, I was, you know, hammering it. And some days just couldn't figure out what was going on. And, you know, he would take me out and he would just like give me one nugget, you know, and uh-huh. okay, you know, then I go and I try that and figure out, you know, what it is, how I can read the water better, you know, detect strikes, all this stuff. And then, um, I just remember one day just kind of opened up for me and I realized like, Oh my gosh, you know, they're everywhere, you know, and now I kind of knew what I was looking for. Had I think a lot more confidence, but you really still need to, to kind of search deep inside. Like, Hey, you know, it, you, you have the skills to fish and you know, you got to bring those up to the service. And he really nurtured all that and taught me how to, to teach and how to guide and just really hone in the professionalism of fly fishing. So I mean, great management skills with, you know, managing a shop, mm-hmm. taking care of, you know, that side of things. But yeah, he was, he was super instrumental in uh, getting me going and yeah, just kind of keeping the stoke alive for me for sure. You know, Peter was really cool to me too. He had me come down from Kernville here and uh, drive down to San Diego and do a, uh, a casting seminar and, you know, do a presentation down there and stuff. And, uh, I think I, I might've met you there. Is that where I met you or were you there? Yeah, actually I, I did meet you there. You came down, um, for one event. I remember we would have your video, uh-huh. uh, up on, the, up on the screen. So we kind of, we already knew who you were and you know, had some of the flies in the bin, but yeah, I met you there. And I think the second time I met you was right when I left Peter's shop and yeah. it was IFTD and that's kind of where, the door to repping opened up for me. Right. And, um, was that something that you just kind of fell into or it, how did that all go, go down? Uh, that's another great story. So, yeah. um, I realized that my time at the shop was coming to an end. You know, I, I wanted more and I knew that, uh, you know, managing the shop and guiding there, there's something more for me in the industry. And I remember talking to my wife and I was like, man, I think I want to be a rep. You know, I, I want to see what that's all about. And she's like, Oh, why don't you go rep Sims or Sage? And I was like, I you don't understand like the two best reps probably in the world rep those brands and for them to give those brands up or me to get in there, it's virtually impossible. Yeah. So, um, I was up in Northern California with my family and, the IFTD shows in Vegas and I literally made the decision the day before the event. I called Peter said, Hey, can you get me into this event? And, um, called Jamie Lyle, who was the Sage rep at the time yep. and said, Hey, I want to get in and told Jamie what my plans were. And he said, Hey, don't, uh, don't sign any contracts, you know, come see me first. I was like, okay. So nice. Fly down to Vegas, you know, find a room, the whole thing. I get, signed up. I, I walk into IFTD. I go straight to see Jamie and uh, he has me sit down with some of the executives of Farbank and he offers me a job right to there. work with him to right there. 
And um, he said, Hey, I got a couple other people, but you know, you're top of the list and you know, this could be a great opportunity for you. And just, I'm like blown away, just blown away. So I, I remember uh, he said, you know, let's talk some more, you know, throughout the show. So I go back to the hotel and walk in the parking lot, I call my wife and I tell her, I said, Hey, you know, I just talked to Jamie, he, you know, he's offered me a job to be a sage rep and yeah, I got emotional and she's like, oh, I told you, you know, yeah. So, I mean, super humbled, blown away. I mean, everything you can possibly think of, um, that was going through my mind at the time. And, uh, yeah, so he, he brought me on as a sub rep. Um, and that was in 2014. And then, um, three years I worked with Jamie and then Jamie decided to move on and Farbank hired me and the other brands hired me to, to be the rep. So yeah, nice. I mean, it's in a short period of time. Um, I couldn't believe you know, the, the steps that I've, that I achieved to get to where I'm at right now. It's, it yeah. blows me away. Even talk about it. I mean, just to get that, that job and also just to, you know, eventually get the, those brands that's a that's a big accomplishment a lot of people can't just do that you know yeah thank you man the other thing i appreciate that yeah the other thing too is you know jamie you know i think one of the one of the important things about being a sales rep i'm not a sales rep but you from what i gathered from the sales reps that i do know that come into the shop is they have these super personalities and are able to talk to all kinds of people and and explain things to people very simply and, you know, the new products and all that kind of stuff. And Jamie must've seen that in you, um, your personality and your one, your kindness, but also your friendliness to, to folks and, and thought that you would be good addition to his business for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really cool, man. And I, I get these questions all the time, you know, from different people in the industry and like, you know, how does, how does it happen? How, how do you get the job like this? And, and the only thing I keep telling him, I said, I think it's just my, my passion for the sport and my passion, um, and my drive that got me here. There, there wasn't, uh, a backup plan. You know, I just like, you, you know, when you have a goal and you're motivated and you yeah. just go for it, you just keep moving forward. And I'm like, well, I don't know what, what the next step is, but you just trust that something cool is going to happen. And it just kept happening. So mm-hmm. I just keep riding that, you know, that same mentality, like just, just keep charging forward for whatever you want. So for sure. know, that's the only advice I could give these people. I'm like, I don't know what else to tell you, you know, but just uh, give it all that you have and yeah, think good things will come from it. You know, the, I think also too, you know, like the good sales reps that I see, you know, are, are super knowledgeable and um, are really into their products and um, can, can help um, fly shops or, or sporting stores sporting goods stores, you know, to sell their products and they're, they're real knowledgeable about marketing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, I've learned a lot from you, um, just on all kinds of stuff, whether it's spay casting, um, the lines that go with what rods and, you know, all the different, I mean, you know, Rio comes out with this giant book of all these different lines (laughs) every year and you're just like, Oh my God. And so, you know, you, you definitely help, all of us, uh, small fly shops with that stuff for sure. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, we're, we're all partners in this and we're all here to, you know, to move forward and, and make a living. And yeah, I mean, when you guys succeed, I succeed and, and I love it. It's, that's my favorite thing to do. And I think 
you know, or like what you do, your, you know, guy gene school of fly fishing. I mean, you're a natural born teacher and, you know, being That's able right. to express all that to, you know, the amount of people that, that you put through your schools. I mean, it's huge. It's a testament to you and your personality and your, your love for, you know, joking people out. And I, that's the way I look at it. You know, we're all here to help each other. And, you know, I made some wonderful friends, including you. Um, yeah, yeah. I wish I could be there on the river with you and doing this in person, but I know our, our time will come, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a great industry to be in and, you know, a lot of good people. And it seems like everybody you know wants to help each other out. And I was, I just had a show this last or a demo day this last weekend. And I met up with the coaster rep who's on the like optical side of things. And he yeah. was saying that he couldn't believe how friendly we all are to each other, uh, to the other reps. He said, he goes like the Oakley rep will come through and they'll just, I mean, in other words, kind of just oh, really? flip each other off <laughs> underneath the, you know, while they drive by. He said, they just don't talk to, there's no, you know, camaraderie whatsoever well, but you, in the fly fish industry. No, I've different. seen it firsthand. I've seen, you know, all, all you guys and including myself, uh, having beers, you know, after yeah. shows and stuff, you know, it's pretty common for sure. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, yeah. so when you first started being a sales rep and you, you know, you had to go out to all these different shops and meet all these different people, were you pretty nervous at first? Totally. I mean, you're, you're just, <laughs> yeah, I was so nervous, yeah. um, you know, going through and, and, you know, yeah, seeing some of these fly shop owners that have done it for 40 years, you know, and have seen everybody <laughs> right. come through there and we'll have heard every sales pitch. Yeah. You know, yeah. thankfully J- Jamie was good and he, he wrote down a list and was like, you know, okay, this guy, it's like in and out, give him the facts, get out of there. This guy here, you can have a beer, hang out with him, you know, yeah. talk shop. He's, you know, so it was really helpful to get and get a little bit of a sure. taste of some of these personalities. And uh, yeah, I think it's just, uh, <laughs> yeah, just kind of trial by fire. You just got to get into it and, you know, start talking to these people and, you know, they have to push your buttons and, you know, see if you can hold your weight. But yeah, I would, it, it, I would say it took me a, a good while to really feel comfortable, you know, in this position. And even to recently, I would say, I, I you know, it seems like every year I gained a little bit more confidence where like, Hey, you know, I'm deserving of this. Cause I think for a while there, you, you kind of get to a certain point where like, man, you know, there's a lot of cool things happening. And, and am I supposed to, you know, have all this, is this, this the right thing? Am, am I deserving of it? And, uh, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I've, you know, had to deal with is like, Hey, yeah, you, you do deserve it. So did you know a lot of people going in or did you just kind of meet people as you started, went through, started going um, through all the shops? I knew some, some, some people, you know, yeah. some of the shops I've been all up and down California, uh, lived in several different spots. So, you know, walking into shops. So I knew a few people and, um, I would say, uh, yeah, most of these people were just meeting them for the first time. You know, you, you knew some of the, the bigger ones, the people that you know, were notable in the fly fishing industry. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, I mean, everybody's been great. Just, oh, there's a lot of good fly shop owners, and, you know, uh, everybody's got their own personality, and you just have to you know which, which one you're walking into and, and, yeah. and how to talk to people. For sure. So talk about what a sales rep does. I mean, what do you guys do when you go into a shop? I mean, what is it that you guys are trying to accomplish? And um, I think the, the biggest thing that we're trying to accomplish is every year there's new product coming out. So it's being able to showcase the new product because you're walking into something that's been established for years. 
you know, so there's fly rods, there's reels. Um, some of these brands have, have been there for a long time and, you know, some of the, their staples, you know, if you look at the Tibor reel or a Galvin reel or something like that, that they've just, you know, really not changed a whole lot. Um, so you get some of these other brands that are, are really expanding and moving. So you start to, uh, you just take all the new information, all the new toys and bells and whistles and walk into a shop and just kind of let everybody know, just making them aware of what else is out there. Cause sometimes you could easily be satisfied with, you know, I just get these amount of reels to get this broad and you know, this is all I sell, but then there's so much new product, especially like it comes to fly lines. You know, it's like, okay, now we have fly lines that are really specific for, certain fisheries and I need to explain all this to the dealers like, Hey, here's some opportunities to even sell more lines right. you know, for different, for different areas. But I mean, my job mainly consists of a lot of phone calls and emails and, um, yep. you know, checking on orders and trying to figure out, you know, uh, how to best serve everybody and make sure that they are you know, fully aware of everything they could possibly sell. How, how many accounts do you have now? Like, uh, and what, what is your, area it's is it, it's california i know that but don't you have other states yeah, too or i do so it's all of california nevada arizona and hawaii so it's considered the southwest territory and i have when i first started it was roughly about 65 dealers and those are a mixture of specific fly fishing retailers as well as what we call hook and bullet that'll be yeah a fishing store that has you know both guns, fishing, and fly fishing. Uh-huh. And then now that I picked up Grundens, that was a whole new set of dealers. So I'm looking at a, probably about 130 dealers that, wow. that we call on. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's that's all with all the states? <laughs> that's within all the states, correct. Wow, yeah. man. And so you yeah, get, you've gotten so busy that you are, you've hired somebody else, right? I did. I hired Alex Katie. Um, he is a, he was a manager down in Southern California. So just kind of where I started and it seems like most of the reps that have come into this business have all been plucked from, from a retailer. You know, they've noticed yeah. something great about them. So yeah, I hired Alex and he's been wonderful. He lives in Southern California and he's got a really good pulse on conventional fishing as well as fly fishing mm-hmm. and he's super fishy. So, yep. um, just, you know, easy role to step into and just, you know, we're selling fun is what I always tell them. So, um, does he cover just Southern California or what, what does he cover? Yeah. So he takes care of Bakersfield South to the border of Mexico and Southern Arizona, Southern Nevada and all of Arizona. Oh, okay. And then I take care of everything North and then Hawaii. There's not a whole lot of people over there and with, I mean, the whole COVID thing, we haven't, I haven't been there, you know, in a couple of years, but um, we can still be able to do business. I did some videos and we'll do Zoom calls and just get people up to speed on you know, what they need and you know, how we can help them out. So are you guys seeing a, an increase in um, the outdoor world? Are you, I mean, I wanted to ask you like, you know, what, what, what do you feel is the state of the, not only the fly fishing world, but the outdoor industry? Do you think it's getting better do you think it's going down um what do you think i think it's getting better um covid 2020 was probably the biggest year for any outdoor industry i mean as you guys seen it there in the fly shop but i mean anything you talk to climbing stores you know regular tackle stores i mean it's went through the roof everybody that was locked down wanted to get out and be outside and do something recreational 
So it's definitely um, exploded, I would say, since 2020. I feel that it's reached its peak in the fall, and several of the reps that you know we powwow with uh, when we go to sales meeting, they all feel the same, that it definitely hit its peak um, last fall. But overall, I think it's definitely still a positive industry to be in. I think still people still want to go outside. I, I've been noticing more people wanting experiences. Yeah. Uh, they want to go out there and, and have, you know, a, a day on the water or, uh, uh, some sort of, you know, destination trip or something like that. But I, I definitely see it's, it's moving in, in the right direction. And I think we just, you know, need to, to continue to capture it. You know, yeah. the, the biggest thing with California and, California is a very interesting state now that I'm on this side of things and, um, you know, water, fire. I mean, those are, are right. huge factors when it comes to our industry. And as you know, I mean, you guys have been, um, hit by fires down there and you know, mm-hmm. up North and, uh, yeah, I'm making my tour through seeing dealers right now. And that's where some of the hesitation lies with what is the fall going to look like or later summer when the fires hit and then, you know, places are closed people can't go, you know, up there. And then now we have water issues. So, but, you know, according to some of the reps that I've talked to before and Jamie Lyle, you know, we've had some of our best years on the drought years, you know, there's still places to fish. I mean, there's still right. lakes, there's still, you know, uh, rivers and streams that yeah. an ocean, you yeah. know, there's still <laughs> so much out there and California is huge and it has a lot to offer. Um, so I, I think it's just kind of rerouting people's mindset on, you know, oh, I can't go anywhere, you know, what can I do? And, and having these different options, like, I mean, you've done a great job with exposing, you know, fisheries in your area as well as the surf. I mean, you're, Thanks, you're man. putting people on the water. Yeah, it's huge. Are you seeing, um, you know, more stores opening up, like outdoor stores or fly shops? Are you seeing fly shops closing? What are you seeing out there? Um, I haven't seen any... I've seen uh, no fly shops have clo- have closed. I've seen uh, a few open within the last couple of years, which is I mean, which is interesting because you know, right during COVID, you yeah. have this lockdown. I've had a couple of shops open. We just celebrated the second anniversary for a shop in Sonora this last weekend. Is that is that so, Sonora Fly yeah. Shop or Yeah, Sonora Fly Shop. Okay, very cool, cool guys. Yeah, beautiful I've heard shop. That. I've heard that. Yeah, so we celebrated two years, and awesome. you know, that, that's a big, that's a big deal. So yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing, yeah, it's huge, <laughs> yeah. especially, you know, in, in this crazy environment, but, uh, yeah, they, we had a new shop open up in Arizona. Cool. Um, I definitely get, uh, hit up. I mean, it's not like booming in any way, but you know, there's definitely opportunity in yeah. certain parts of the state where somebody was willing to open up a shop. Uh, it, it will do well. And I think yeah. just, you know, putting all your effort into it, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of room for expansion and I, I'm, on the conventional side, it's kind of hard to know yeah. what's new or not. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of a lot of the shops are new to me because I just don't walk into conventional shops. But yeah. um, I haven't really heard it. I mean, there's a couple new ones opened up near the coast. Mm-hmm. But yeah, o- overall, I would say it, it, it is positive. I I do feel very optimistic that you know these guys will will succeed, and uh, you know we'll just see more more and more people you know get into the sport. Yeah, like I uh, before before I opened my fly shop, I I did a little tour of oh, I don't know uh, most of the fly shops in 
California. You know, I just went on a road trip and kind of checked things out and checked shops out and checked out personalities and and whatnot. And, you know, you know, one of the coolest shops and coolest people and one of the most beautiful shops I I went into was Peter Pacconi's in San Diego, which isn't open anymore, but. I thought his shop was, was really beautiful for one, but also the, everyone that worked there was really cool. Um, but yeah. you, you definitely notice, um, going into different shops, you know, the personalities, the welcoming personalities and the not so welcoming personalities out there for sure. Um, yeah. It, it blows me away <laughs> that that still happens. You yeah. know, I'm just, I'm kind of shocked when I do walk into a shop and I don't get acknowledged. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a little interesting, especially with, you know, the world of yes. online sales. It's like, you know, you could easily just be like, well, this guy doesn't want my business and walk out on your phone and order whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but you're right. There's definitely uh, a lot of personality, but back to Peter's shop, it was definitely one of the nicest shops uh, that was around. I mean, very, it was like, like a quintessential boutique fly shop. Totally nice floors yeah. and just a waiter, yeah. just a waiter room by itself. And just, Oh my gosh, it was, it was nice. Yeah. So super in, inviting. So in your opinion, what makes a good like retail shop or, or fly shop? I mean, what do you think, what makes them, what makes the shops out there, like the good shops, you know, work? Uh, I feel it definitely has to come down to the owner, you know, yeah. having, uh, a an owner that's that's a part of the shop that understands what's happening, you know, the ins and outs of it, you know, understanding his inventory, yeah. um, getting really good staff that are knowledgeable, friendly for sure. Like everybody walks through the door, they they are, you know, hey, how you doing? Let me know if you have any questions, that kind of stuff. Just yeah. you know, you want to make those people feel that they're they're welcome in your shop. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I think when it comes down to merchandising and shop layout that is extremely important i feel less is more um the shops that i have noticed do the best in my territory are the shops that have narrowed down their assortment they don't have to have every fly rod of every manufacturer because it just gets super diluted and then you just don't know you know you you want to sell rods your customer gets confused you know confused customer says no but when you have you know two or three rod companies that you can go up to the rod rack and be like, Hey, you know, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for a rod that, you know, I can throw drives and hemp and all stuff. Great. Yeah. You're the rods that are perfect for what you do. And you got them, you have three choices. You know, a good, better, best is definitely what I always recommend. But I've noticed those, those shops that have a narrowed assortment do the best because they're, then they're not overwhelmed by, all the invoices from all the other shops or I'm sorry, all the invoices from all the manufacturer that come through because you order a bunch of rods and then all those invoices have to come due. And if they're not turning over because they're not well-known brands or um, not recognized, you know, by a lot of the customers and you know, you're just sitting on, on money on the shelf. So yeah. that, that's my biggest thing. You know, it's what I try to convey to the dealers is, you know, just simplify things and you'll see how much more money. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, it's only taken me 20 years, bro. <laughs> I know. But yours is great, man. I, I mean, you have a great shop. I, and you're, you're, you definitely have a shop that, that falls in that category. I mean, you go in there, it's like, boom, Rio on the wall. 
you know, <laughs> yeah. three or four rods. Right. You know, waiters. It's like, <laughs> you know, bunch of flies. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing it right, man. I, I definitely, uh, a, a year shop comes up a lot and your approach and stuff. Uh, when I talk to dealers and when they ask me that same question, like who, you know, who do you feel is, you know, on the right path, making stuff happen. And, and I, I refer to your shop, you know, with your fish report, um, your videos on Instagram, you know, what's happening, what's going on. I mean, you're constantly engaging your customer, which makes them always want to tune in be like, you know, what's guy doing? What's happening? Um, right. that, that's, what, that's what keeps you in the forefront of everybody's mind. Like, you know, you're, you're making stuff happen. So it's huge, man. Yeah. It's a testament to you and, and what you're doing. You know, that dude, um, that owns lost coast outfitters too, man. That guy, uh, that guy's rocking it too, man. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. George is yeah, George uh, his shop. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Same kind of deal. I mean, he's got a really nice boutique fly shop in downtown uh, San Francisco yeah. and you walk in there and it's the same deal. You know, you see, you know, Sims brand, you see the far bank brands on, you know, yeah. rods and reels. I mean, he's just got everything really dialed in and uh, keeps everything simple and yeah, he does really well. So what's coming out new? So here's a little chance for you to kind of, you know, talk about, you know, your brands and what's coming out new, um, you know, with, uh, you know, Reddington and Sage and, and even Rio and some of the, your, your other brands, if you want to talk a little bit about some of the, the cool new brands that are, are cool new products that are coming out for sure. Oh yeah. So right now the biggest one coming out of the far bank brands, so Sage Reddington Rio is the new R8 core rod from Sage. So this is the eighth iteration of a flagship rod and actually the eighth iteration of a new graphite technology. So the, the R stands for revolution and then eight stands for, you know, basically the eighth revolution. Um, yeah. So this rod is a whole new blend of graphite, um, has a whole new uh, resin uh, to keep all these fibers together. So this is really a rod that's going to be an extension of your arm. This is going to be a rod that's going to have the utmost feel to it, um, control, I mean, a legitimate fishing tool. Mm-hmm. What I really like about it is a lot of these fast action rods, some of them can seem really stiff to people when they first put them in their hands and everybody does a wiggle test. Yeah. But this rod, when you start to cast it, you'll notice that the sweet spot for where that rod bends is a lot deeper than you would think in a fast action rod. So you just really get a lot of feel right back into your hand. And I mean, effortless to cast is probably the rod that I have had the, the, well, the, well, the privilege of fishing and casting, but it's a rod that I can cast as far as I want with the least amount of effort, which I would say that of all the sage rods, you know, they all, you know, a good caster can definitely put out a lot of line, not that yeah. it's needed, but this one, you'll start casting like, man, this rod just wants me to, you know, keep letting more line out. You know, it has enough power and has enough control to be able to, to cast long distance if you want to. I agree. I, that, the first thing I noticed when I picked one up was how light it was. Unbelievable. Oh. Unbelievably light. I was like, wow. Uh, and yeah, it's a, it's an amazing rod for sure. The question I get, and, and this comes in at, um, the price point is, uh, 1150, correct? A thousand fifty. Yeah. A thousand fifty. Okay. So a thousand fifty. So the question I get, and maybe you can explain this to folks out there that listen to this podcast is, um, you know, I'm, 
I, I know the answer to this, but I, you know, coming from you, it, it, and you could maybe explain it simply is, you know, like a lot of people come in to my shop and go, you know, what's the difference between a hundred dollar rod and a thousand dollar rod? They both catch fish, don't they? <laughs> you, yeah. And I know you've heard that working in a fly shop too. Um, but maybe you could kind of explain, you know, kind of the, the difference and, um, you know, why, why a rod would be priced at price point at, at that price. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of it, it, it really comes down to the technology of the graphite that we're using. Um, and I always use the analogy of, of a car. Yeah. You know, so that's a good one. I can go and you know, take a road trip from Northern California, to Southern California. I can do it in a Corvette or I could do it in a Pinot. Right. They're both going to get me to the same place. But one's just going to be a much better experience. So when you start getting into these higher modulus graphite rods, they become more lighter. They, be, they become responsive. Um, and when you compare them to, say, that $100 fly rod and you put this rod, I mean, automatically just in your hand, you're going to notice, like you said, the weight difference yeah. right off the bat. You're like, man, this one's a lot lighter. Hey, great. You know, let's cast this. Do you notice the cast? Like, yeah, I can get the line out there. And then you pick up this new rod and you make a forward cast and you get more line out there. You're like, man, I can't believe, you know, I was able to control my loop better. I was able to get a lot more line out there. So, you know, these technologies, they just keep improving on upon themselves. Like you see, it's lighter, more responsive, more feel, you know, from the tip of the fly all the way down into your hand. They, they become an extension of your body. And when you put those in fishing situations, you're realizing like, oh man, I can put that fly exactly where I wanted to put it. Oh, I can do a really nice, precise mend. I mean, and the fish biting ability, like, oh, I could really protect the tip on this, uh, you know, on a light tippet, or I could really, you know, give this fish the wood if it's a bigger fish and be able to hold up to all those different circumstances. So for me, it's, you know, explaining all that to the customer and then getting them, getting the rods in their hand having them feel, you know, all the different, you know, aspects of, you know, a hundred dollar rod to a thousand dollar rod. And yeah. you typically, you know, get it. I mean, just even if it's aesthetics alone, you know, they, they can see it. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. That's a, I like that one, that analogy, you know, um, and using the cars for sure. That's a, that's a yeah. Good I mean, it's around. just like, you know, yeah, I'd rather be in a Corvette with air conditioning and, you know, a nice smooth <laughs> ride. Uh, it's going to make my experience a lot better. And I always tell the, you know, the customers that it's like, you're going to have a great experience out there fishing. You know, one, you're just out there anyway. That's the best part about it. Yeah. But when you have a tool that, that really works with you and for you, it just makes it easy. It makes it more enjoyable. So what else is out there from anything else from Sage? Yeah. So we came out with a new reel called the Arbor XL. This is a large, well, probably the largest arbor that I've seen in a, in a reel. We make two sizes, the four, five, six, and the next one is a six, seven, eight. Um, it's a much thin, thinner diameter spool, but a larger arbor. So it allows you to pick up about 15% more line when you have a fish on the reel and you're winding the fish in. Okay. So just, uh, and it help really helps too with the overall memory of the line. I mean, there, there is memory in, in fly line, especially if you don't use them. As often, you know, they'll, they'll have a memory to the spool and the, the smaller the spool, the tighter those memory loops are, but yeah. the bigger the spool, 
the less they are. So the line you know, becomes a lot more manageable right off the bat to be able to, you know, to be able to handle and, and control. But uh, yeah, this new reel coming out, it's, it's really sleek. It's, it's super lightweight. And even though it has this big, large arbor, it kind of has this, uh, you know, like a, like a large rim of a car, you know, like a little more of a, of a bling, but it is a really nice reel. It's got a sealed drag system on it. So um, I have a trip to Belize coming up that I'm going to take one for some bone fish. So it's a nice little light saltwater reel, but mainly a freshwater reel. Nice. Is that, is that out yet or? That yeah, that one just, uh, just, yeah, that one just, just came dropped. out along with, yeah, just came out with the R8. Okay. Yeah, so that, yeah, totally like just weeks old. Okay. Cool. Um, on the Reddington side of things, we have a new pack rod that came out and this is called the trailblazer. It's a six piece rod. So great for anybody heading out to the back country. You know, a lot of the backpackers that just want something really lightweight, something they can just put together and it's not going to take up a whole lot of room. Nice. So we have two, two sizes in that. We have a three weight and a five weight in the six piece offering. And, you know, for a broad being six pieces, That's it cool. casts unbelievable. Like, okay. I mean, just, just a really good smooth casting rod. What's that come? What's, that, then, what's that price point come at? Two fifty. Two fifty. And I wanted to ask you yeah. real quickly, the, the Sage Arbor XL reel you were just talking about, what yeah. does that come in at? Price that point? comes in at four fifty. For the smaller version, the four five six and four seventy five for the six seven eight. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah, we have two colors, two color options. Okay. And then on the Reddington side of things, that for all the glass fanatics out there, we have brought out the third version of our butter stick. Right. Okay. Yeah, super cool. Um, we went back to a four piece rod. The last iteration was a three piece rod. So now we have four-piece butter stick, went back to that butter look, that nice yellow, kind of pale yellow look. And what's mm-hmm. cool about this rod, you take it out in the sunlight and it has that translucent, kind of that old school fiberglass look where it looks like you can see right through. Nice. Um, but the technology in those fiberglass rods has changed so much. I mean, the first fiberglass rod I had, I mean, the thing weighed a ton. Right. Um, and these, they're super lightweight. Uh, they change the action a little bit on the butter stick. I feel they, um, it still has that soft, fast or soft feel to it, but it, it definitely feels just a tad bit stiffer. So, you know, get a little bit of wind in your face. You still have, you know, good, good enough power behind you. It doesn't feel like a total noodle. Uh-huh. Um, just a really good casting dry fly rod. So I'm actually going to take it out this weekend and hopefully get some rising fish. Sweet. Is the Trailblazer kind of a medium action rod? Yeah, it, I'd classify it as a medium action rod for okay. sure. Cool. Yeah. Any any new uh, reels for Reddington or anything else new? Um, on the Reddington, we just uh, added some more colors. So zero okay. reel, we've added right. a matte black and mm. a, um, called a silver fox. Okay. Fox. I can't remember the name right now, but yeah, just <laughs> okay. two, two different color options okay. on the zero. And then we added a bronze color for the behemoth reel. Okay. Yeah. I've seen that. Awesome. And then, um, what about Rio? What's going on with Rio? So Rio yeah. Um, the, the biggest thing with Rio is our new slick cast technology. So that's a whole new coating that they developed. It's the slickest casting fly line out in the market right now. It's the most durable, slickest line um, that that's available to, to anybody. 
as soon as you put one of these new lines that has that slick cast coating on there, you'll notice it right off the bat. I mean, the line just shoots through the guides with zero effort. Okay. So you really get, you know, a lot more distance. Um, you just instant feedback to, to the caster that, you know, they can get some line out without having any trouble whatsoever. Even if you're a marginal caster, your line's going to move. Um, floats really high on the water and is, it's got this nice coating where you really don't pick up a whole lot of grit and sand, uh, which makes it nice. I mean, that's kind of the, the start to the demise of a fly line when they start getting really dirty. And, and these, I mean, I always recommend you want to clean lines, but these are going to last a lot longer, even when not doing anything at all. Mm-hmm. So with that, we added um, a, a lot of our lines that are already in the lineup are converting to this slick cast, but some of the new lines that came out for this year, there is, a line called the dog days and it's basically a it's a dog days gold line so it's a real gold taper Uh but it has a more of a warm water core and coating to it so in those days as you know in southern california especially out where you guys are at i mean you can get 100 degrees and some of these freshwater lines as soon as it gets really hot or you're fishing from a boat or anything like that they'll they'll get a little gummy i mean they just they can't you know, they'll still perform, but not perform at their peak when it gets super hot. So we decided to, or Rio, I would say, decided to create a line that's going to stand up to those hot temperatures. And we have that available at a four, five, and six. Um, talking to Alex Katie, who's a big carp guy, he's like, yeah. that's that's his carp line. Yeah. That's going to be my new warm water carp line. Really? Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. So th- that line's available. And then for... A mid-price line, our Avid series of fly lines, we have come out with our Avid Gold and Avid Grand. So now this is a what I'm going to consider a premium fly line in that $70 range. Okay. It's a really good price point. I mean, most of these lines now are $100 or $130. So you're getting the gold tapered fly line or grand tapered fly line for 70 bucks it does come with the slick cast coating on it comes with loops at both ends and the reason why we're able to drop the price down to make it a little more affordable for people who are you know wanting to upgrade but not you know spend a hundred dollars yep. uh, we just shortened the fly line to 80 feet instead of 90 or 100 feet and we made it one color so we don't have some of our other uh, attributes of our premium and elite lines where they have sure sure cast on their um or line identification. So we just stripped down a few things and just made it real simple, but that's a new line coming out and it's available now. So that's, you said it was only 80 feet or 88 feet? 80 feet. 80 feet. Okay. God, that yeah. makes sense, right? Cause when you're, when you're fishing for trout and you know, the species, you're not getting all the way into your backing too many times. Right. You know, that's, a, that's totally. Smart. That's yeah. Smart. And I think it's a great line you know, when you have a customer come in and say he buys a path outfit or a crosswater outfit or even the topo where it comes with a mainstream style fly line, which is a great line to get started. But I always tell people, it's like, you know, as soon as you you know, feel comfortable fly fishing and, you know, you're ready to do an upgrade, upgrade your line. And that whole outfit becomes totally different. So now somebody who you know, just getting into the sport doesn't want to spend a whole lot of money. You know, they already spent $200 on an outfit and say a couple of years later, like, Hey, just, or even, even right then and there, you can be like, Hey, you know, this is going to make your fly fishing spirit experience even better. 
spend an extra $70 and you get a premium fly line. And, you know, it, it makes it, it makes it a little bit more digestible. I think when you start looking at, you know, the prices of lines, uh, up, you know, or even upgrading a rod or anything like that. So I think it's a really good mid priced fly line. Um, that's going to do well in, in our market. I think so too. That's great. I didn't know that about the, the Abbott series and that's, that's brand new, right? That is brand new. Yeah. yeah okay. That's good to know. Learning stuff too. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's um, it should be. Any, any other, um, lines that, that are coming out that, uh, you want to talk about like in a, uh, sinking line world or any of those shooting, shooting heads or anything? Um, not so much the shooting head line. I think some of the upgrades that we made to an existing line that we had as our outbound short, okay. we've gone to triple, triple density lines, which I really like. So typical shooting head line, you have 30, 35 feet of a shooting head. And then that connection goes right into an intermediate running line. Okay. So on some of those heavier, heavier sink lines, if, you know, I was to draw it on a piece of paper. I would draw the intermediate line at, at fairly level in the water column. And then you have this shooting head that just drops down super fast, you know, so you kind of get this kind of sharp angle, which is fine. And we've been doing it for years, Yeah. but now they're making these triple density heads, which we've, we've come out with and we have them even in, in spay heads. So what they, they do is they transition down to the tip much nicer. That gives you more of a level, um, more of a straight line to your right. fly instead of a hinge to it. So our outbound shorts will have a, they just the floating hover intermediate. So you'll have a intermediate or a floating line and then it'll go to a hover line and then go to an intermediate tip. So there's just more of a step down to the connection to the fly. And now are, so those, are those called the outbound shorts? And it's like the right, new, correct. Yeah. New, yeah. new version so the, of the outbound short. The new version. Yeah. So it has a slick cast coating and then we just, added the triple density to the head of it. Okay. Um, yeah. And then another new line that came out is a predator line. And this is a freshwater line. Great for bass fishing, um, topwater trout. It's, it's a great streamer line too, cause it's a floating running line. And then the head will just step down however you want. You can get straight floating or you can go floating hover intermediate and go floating intermediate S3 and you have all these different oh, sink rates cool. that you can play with, okay. but still have that floating line. So if you are fishing in a river, mm-hmm. something that you want to be able to mend and, and just be able to control your line, those lines are, are great for okay. that. And I've been using that predator floating line for bass. It's two line sizes heavier. So it's not as aggressive as the outbound short, which is, you know, almost three line sizes heavier. So this is, um, it turns over big flies with no problem, cuts through the wind. But if you wanted something that just wasn't as aggressive as an outbound short, that predator line been pretty money. Can you explain what you what you mean by by uh, you know it's uh, lines heavier? Sure. Yeah. So I know a lot of people don't know what that means. Yeah. No yeah. problem. Yeah. Um, so there are a standard of grain weights for every fly line made, from zero weight to sixteen weight. And I don't know when this standard was developed, but I would, if I were to guess, it's probably 60 years old yeah. or more, 70 years old. This, and it's called the AFMA standards. So just to 
make things simple. So a five weight is 142 grains to 148 grains, I think. Okay. So it's right in there. There's like a, a six grain swing. Okay. But so if you get a five weight and you were to cut off the first 30 feet of the head and put it on a scale, it would range between 142 to 146 grains for that 30 foot section. So the way that this was developed was like, okay, that those were the amount of grains that when you were to make a cast of 30 feet, that it has enough grains to bend the fly rod and, and make a cast. And, and every, every rod weight has a grain window. Right. So we still use, we still refer back to those AFMA standards. So like I said, it's, if it's 146 grains at the top end of a five weight, and I say it's two line sizes heavier. So when you look at that AFMA standard and you go, okay, a six weight is 146 to 152 and a seven weight is 152 to, you know, 159 or somewhere in there. I don't, I don't know the exact yeah. numbers. Yeah. The grain weight would fall under the window of a seven weight. Right. Okay. So that's how we would say, oh, it's two line sizes heavier. Got it. So when Does that makes sense? Yeah, totally. So when you're saying that the Predator is a five weight, it's really two lines heavier than a five weight? Is that what you mean? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the reason why is so these, these after standards were, were developed, like I said, 60, 70 years ago or whatever. And the rods that were being made at that time were much softer rods. I mean, they weren't making fast action rods then. You know, Sage was the first one to develop this fast action rod because, you know, we wanted a rod that has more power, you know, cast further. And um, so even though the AFMA standards never changed, but the rod manufacturing, the rod tapers, they've all changed. The, right. re, the line manufacturers had to make lines in order to bend these rods, you know, and, and, and now we're throwing, you know, flies that they probably weren't throwing 50, 60 years ago. You know, we're throwing articulated and barrel eyes and more lead and all this other stuff. So having these lines that one are going to load the rod that yeah. you're using it on a fast action, stiff rod. And then, you know, sometimes the way these lines are tapered, you know, being able to turn over uh, a big wind resistant fly. So, yeah. You know, the, the, these will have to, the, these lines that we're making now are just breaking the AFMA standards because, like I said, it, it, I, there, there is a, a place for it, you know, and, and some of the rods that are out in the markets, even some of the rods that we develop, there are lines that you want to have that grain window exactly to match your rod, but there's outbound shorts and predators that I'll throw on a real predator or Reddington predator rod or throw on a Sage igniter that is going to be able to handle two, two and a half line or more heavier. Right. It's going to bend that. It's going to bend the heck out of that, that rod, that predator, yeah. say the, the Reddington predator, which is pretty stiff, fast action rod. And then putting on, like if you're using a five weight predator and then you yeah. put on a five weight predator line, this new line, it's really going to be able to bend that rod real nicely. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. So, and, <laughs> and it, it, like I said, I mean, not to make it any more confusing, but yeah. uh, Simon Gosworth has a, has a good video out there from Rio. Uh, you could probably find it on YouTube, but he talks about grain weights. Yeah. And he goes into 
okay, so you have 30 feet that is, say, 146 grains, and you're casting that 146 grains on a five weight. As soon as you let five more feet of line out, now that five weight line has become a six weight line because you have more of the head out there. So you're, even though the rod hasn't changed, you've added more grain weight by more line out of the tip of the rod. You add another 10 feet and you're at a seven weight line, you know, and that rod can still handle it. So it's, you know, I I try not to focus too much on, on the grain weights, but just like certain, certain things when I'm talking about a predator line or an outbound short is letting, you know, like this line is meant to load a fast action rod, throw big, heavy clousers, wind resistant flies. It's heavy for that reason. Um, just to be able to perform that way. So we, uh, I just, you know, uh, recently got back from Mexico, which we were just kind of right above Belize. And, um, mm-hmm. and so, uh, you know, we were using, you know, uh, eight, nine and 10 weight rods, but um, we, we overlined the, the rods, you know, by one, by one weight for sure, just to, you know, be able to punch them through the wind and, and uh, get out a little bit further, you know, on those fast action rods. It made it, it made a huge difference. Oh yeah, you know, it, it, to, totally. Just to overline those rods a little bit, you know. Yeah, sure. and, and they can handle it. You know, the rods that we make now, you'll be surprised on how they can they can handle a serious bend in the rod. So every time we go do our sales meeting for Farbank up on Bainbridge Island, they'll do some really cool casting events just for the reps of you know we they call them the Rep Olympics. And one of the competitions that we have over there is they put a 10 weight fly line on a three weight rod and you got to see how far you can cast that 10 weight line. And as soon as you take back the 10 weight line on three weight rod, I mean, you feel like the rod's going to just break. I mean, it just (laughs) bends the rod so much. So you have to really slow down and, and let that rod fully bend in order to to create a a good loop and, and get the fly line, fly line out. And then we'll do it on the opposite where we'll put a three weight line on a 10 weight rod. So now you have to get, <laughs> you have to carry so much line in order to even bend that rod because the line is so light. Yeah. So I How mean, fun. like some, yeah, you would never want to do it, but I just to show you like no, how, how these rods, I mean, they, they can, you can make them bend and, and make a cast. It's not ideal, but yeah. they'll handle it. Any, uh, any other lines that you, you want to talk about? Um, let's see on the fish pond side of things, um, we, we have a lot of our new, uh, submersible fabric that has just came out. So, uh, yeah. we've had a, a line of submersible packs and bags that have done really well. It's called the Thunderhead series okay. and, um, they just upgraded their, their fabric. So one, the, what's great about the fabric is we use what, what's called eco nail. So it is a, um, repurposed nylon. So they're able to take fly uh, old commercial fishing nets that will basically just never break down and melt all that nylon down, repurpose it and make some textiles with it. So they're able to create a really nice, durable, hard fabric um, and tape it up and seam it up and make a hundred percent waterproof pack and bag with it. So we've come out with uh, a tighter weave on our pattern. So it looks like a really nice, smooth, clean surface and extremely durable, like I said, for any, you know, foul weather conditions. And we went with the true zip zipper, which is that self-healing zipper instead of a tooth zipper. 
um, just a nice self-healing healing zipper. So it's a waterproof, watertight zipper. So that's some of the new stuff from Fish Pond. Nice. What about um, Rep Your Water? You, you got any other new stuff in there? Those those guys have some really cool hats. And, I know. Yeah, I love They're that, such love a great that. company. Yeah, they got some really cool yeah. hats. They got a bunch of new ones probably. Yeah, so they've, they've expanded on more into the apparel side of things, which uh, I'm excited about. I mean, their, their species-specific hats or region-specific hats do really well. Um, and then they have really started to like I said, step into that apparel world and more gift items. So one of the yeah. newest sun shirts that came out is their Merino wool uh, blend sun shirt. So Merino wool is, you know, it's a natural fabric, which is great. It really keeps you warm when it's cool out and it has cooling properties when it's hot out. So it's a really cool, good dual purpose base layer, or even if it's just an outer layer in the sun, so it offers you sun protection, which is nice, UPS 50, okay. and then uh, allows for you and, you know, you to breathe when you start, when, yeah, say like fishing in Mexico or, you know, anywhere where it gets warm and you just want to have that sun protection, but still want to be able to have a breathing garment. So that that's new and uh, that's new for Rep Your Water this year. And they have a bunch of cool gift items like whiskey tumbler, tumbler glasses and beer mugs and camp mugs. Yeah. Sweet. It's a great company. Well, um, you were, you said you're going to Belize. Yeah. So uh, I've never been and I'm awesome, leaving man. on, yeah, I'll, I'll be there May 19th. We have a sales meeting, which is pretty cool uh, to be able to go there and, and fish and, and do some work. Yeah. Oh, so you're Brendan, stoked, man. That's awesome. Oh, dude, I'm so stoked. Yeah. When they sent the email out, I had to, I'm, check the date and make sure it wasn't April 1st. Like, are you guys, you know, pulling our leg here? Yeah. But now they were, they're like, yeah, you know, the company's doing extremely well and awesome. we've expanded into conventional fishing. Cause it, I mean, it's a 110 year old company that is really yeah. focused a lot of their efforts on commercial offshore fishing. And now they're sponsor of the major league bass tour. Um, and now we're stepping into the fly market. Um, we're going to be coming out with some boots and waiters and some really cool stuff. Who, who's that? Is that or Grendon's? Grendon's, yeah, sweet man. Very yeah, cool. so super excited about that. So yeah, we have a sales meeting over there, and uh, we have a couple of days of fishing and uh, a couple of days of meeting. But yeah, I'm what, just what, excited to. What lodge are you going to? El Pescador Lodge. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, man. yeah, it was funny. Yeah, I've we, never been, so super it was, stoked. It was it was cool. Um, we, uh, you know, we were, we were in Ishalak, Mexico and, um, and then we, yeah. we would, uh, we would actually go down into Belizean waters and, uh, oh. it was, no, it's right there. It's right, they were right next to each other. So that was really cool, man. Yeah. What a, what a neat place. And, uh, you're going to have a blast knowing, knowing yeah, you I and, can't wait. and how fishy you are. You know, um, I, I often tell people about the trip we went on to Mexico, um, fishing for big bass, which was a blast. Was and, the best. Yeah, that was a lot of fun with uh, John Sherman and and Zach from the the fly shop, uh, Zach Thurman from the fly shop yeah. in uh, in Reading, and uh, what a what a cool trip that was. Oh man, I can't wait to get back. I was just talking to Zach about it. We need to we need to plan that trip back. That was a lot of fun. It was so cool, man. Um, just the just the people too. Were the the guides were cool, and just the the fishery was amazing, and. And uh, the fish were big, and uh, the, oh, com yeah. the, the company was great. So, yeah, I'd love to do yeah. that again. 
I was just telling somebody about the trip the the day that you and I had when we were up at this last demo that we were talking about Mexico. (laughs) And I was like, man, I go, guy and I just hit it perfect. We just had this window where it was just, I mean, the average fish was like six pounds. It was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, It was just bam, 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 bam. bam. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a good day. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, Alex, thanks man for, for being on the podcast and sharing your knowledge and, and all that, man. You're just such a great guy and, and, uh, really appreciate it, brother. No, no problem, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's great. Always chatting with you. And, uh, yeah, your podcast is awesome, dude. I, just, I, I love listening to it. Yeah. Thank, thanks, man. Great uh, you, people. You gave me an idea. Um, I think that we're going to have to do something like this. Um, every time, you know, you're, you're show, showcasing new products. Um, oh, yeah. be on the podcast and we'll just, we'll talk about the new products coming out, man, because people want to hear about that stuff. You know, no, I sure. agree, man. I, yeah. yeah, I would love to actually get down there. We should uh, set some up um, when the new, well, you know, we'll have some more stuff coming out, obviously, uh, maybe by the end of the year or first of next year and just set some up. It'd be great to get on the water and then uh, come and talk about it after. Oh, absolutely, man. Awesome, man. Well, brother. Fantastic. Thanks so much, man. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon, I'm sure. Sounds good. All right, man. All right, thanks buddy. for having me. Take care, bro.